Hi, I'm Daniel, and you're listening to Time in the Word on Faith FM. Today I'm here with Hannah from the Deloraine Seventh-day Adventist Youth Group in Tasmania. How are you going today, Hannah? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, and I'm pretty excited to be studying God's Word with you. And we're going to be continuing our study of the book of John by uh, studying John chapter 3, verse 17 down to 21. Would you like to start with a little bit of a prayer for us today, Hannah? Sure thing. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we can Bible study together, Lord. I pray that anyone that may hear this over the radio, that they may be blessed with the words that um, not come from Daniel and my words, Lord, that we may be inspired through your grace that may touch someone's heart today, Lord. I pray that um, you can give us the insight that you need to, Lord. In your holy name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And that's my prayer also. Hannah, I'd love it if you'd read the passage for us. Let's read the whole thing for a start and see if we can pull it apart. Okay, let's go. Okay, so starting on John 3, verse 17, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So 17 onwards, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear is their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come into the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Mm. Powerful stuff. And, you know, this is really interesting in where this passage occurs in the context of the chapter. You know, we started off having a look at how uh, Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a religious leader, came and spoke to Jesus in the dead of night. We went through John 3.16 with Talitha in their last program talking about that most amazing verse about God's love and most well-known verse in the whole Bible. But the thing is that most people actually stop reading right here, and the passage you just read is one that actually not a whole lot of people are familiar with the content of it. So do you see anything in that passage jumping out at you that you'd like to share? Okay, so I think it's interesting that God sent his son to the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. I think that's really interesting and that ties in with his next coming that that's when he will be coming as the lion, as his um, first coming was as the lamb. So I think that's a good um, cross-reference to go off. In verse 18, it says there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. So that's interesting because judgment came to all men down through Adam and that sentence that's been given to mankind has been executed through Christ's death and resurrection. So I've got a cross-reference verse here. If we want to jump over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. So it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Oh, wow, that's uh, that's so powerful, and thank you for that. And you know what, in the whole frame of the themes we've been talking about in the book of John, this is really relevant, because I want you to think about this. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come from this world. He said, I'm not of this world. He said, you're of this world, I'm not of this world. 
He said, I've come down from the above. And we talked about that idea of being born again when we talked about Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus, that it's being born from above. So just imagine that John isn't necessarily seeing the world as a sphere the way that we are. He's actually seeing it linear. There is this line which is the above and there's spirit up there and light and uh, that's where the sun comes from, that's where God is. And then underneath there is this world which is also linear but it's darkness and it's the realm of demons and evil and flesh. And the one who is from above came down into the below. The light shines in the darkness, John told us in the first chapter, but the darkness has not comprehended it. And then Jesus went on to say in um, John 3.14 that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So just when Jesus' cross was lifted up between the below and the above, between the light and the darkness, he actually forms this way or this pathway between the two. So it's possible for us who are of the below, who are of the dark, who are sons of the devil, as Jesus referred to elsewhere in John, and we actually become sons of God, as John tells us in John 1. And it's via the cross. The cross is the pathway we walk. And so that was so awesome, that, that verse that you pointed out there, very, very profound stuff. I just want to comment on what you said there about judgment, because, um, you know, it really is a confronting verse, because the Jews were looking forward to God coming so that he would judge, you know, that's really what they were looking forward to. They wanted him to judge the nations. So when Jesus came and he said, I haven't come to judge now, you know, I've come to save, mm -hmm. but I will come again. In John 14, he tells us I'm going to come back again. And that's when the judgment's going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. You've got some profound thoughts there, Hannah. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Well, uh, let's, let's just have a look here and just a little bit closer at verse 18 and 19. It says, there is no judgment against anyone that believes in him. I'm reading from the NLT. But anyone who does not believe has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. I'm just wondering, I heard a preacher give this illustration once. There's a man in a boat and he's doing some fishing or something and he's got two young sons. They're out swimming around the boat and the man, as he's fishing, he looks out and he sees that there is a shark fin going towards his sons. And he sees it swimming closer and closer and he begins to yell and scream and cry out and try to get their attention. And they just think that he's joking around. They completely ignore him. They refuse to come in and get on the boat. And the father can see the fin getting closer and closer. What's he going to do? He takes his knife and he cuts his arm and he throws himself into the water and he begins to swim away from the boat. And he gives his life in order to save his sons. I'm just wondering that once he's done that, is there anything else that he can do to save his sons. So quite interesting um, story there. I mean, there's not much else he can do other than the sons taking heed and actually getting back in the boat and making that decision that, you know, we're trusting our father that there's, there's this shark coming for us. He sacrificed his life basically. And what we need to do is get back into that boat of safety. So there's not much else he can do, but yeah. Yeah, so really that's what verse 18 is saying that God has done everything that he can do. And the judgment isn't based on the fact that we're not good enough. We're all not good enough. The judgment is based on the fact that we won't accept the life raft that he's thrown. Mm. And, um, and then it goes on to extrapolate here. It says, verse 19, God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. I want to give you a sense of the tragedy of this verse. That word loved in verse 19 Reminds us of another word just a little earlier in verse 16, doesn't it? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. In Greek, that word loved 
agapeson. It's the same derivative of the word agape as we find in John 3.16 there in verse 19. And what John's really saying is, with all of the self-sacrificial love that God has for us, we're going to cling on to this darkness because we love it with the same power and the same overwhelming sacrifice that God loves us with. It's just so tragic, isn't it? Mm. It's interesting when we, we look over this verse quite easily, as you said before, a lot of a lot of us look at verse 16 and we probably haven't even read or comprehended what the following verses say. But when you look at loving evil, it's, well, loving the darkness, it's something that it's an undercurrent. It's in your everyday life that you have to choose to love God with what you do, with your actions, with your words. And it's probably the most hardest things. If you flick over to James, it says that the tongue is the hardest thing to control in our whole body. It's like the bit on the horse or anything like that. We, we can't control it. So when we, when we love this darkness, we need to put it into our own lives, into a perspective of what we're doing. What's something that we can't let go of for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our eternity with Christ? Though Christ has taken that, there's no condemnation there. I think it's important to always reflect back on ourselves to see what we're loving. Is there something there in the way of a closer relationship with God that we can clear out of the way? Oh, well, that's really convicting for me also, you know, to take that moment to sort of take stock as what is it that I'm holding on to that's my idol that's that's preventing me from moving closer to Jesus. Yeah, thank you for that, Hannah. That's awesome. I'm just going to zero in here. We're almost out of time. just want to zero in here in verse 20. All who do evil hate the light and they refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they're doing what God wants. A better translation of that, which you probably can see in front of you in your King James, or your new King James there, Hannah, is, can you read it to me from the text just so I don't misquote it? Verse 21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Hmm. Another translation says that they're being done in the sight of God. So there's an implication there that doing truth doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a sinner, that you haven't made mistakes, but you recognize that God has seen. And instead of holding it back in the darkness, and this is the problem that we have, is that we want to hold our sin back in the darkness where we think that God can't see it, and we want to hang on to it, and we want to foster it. And when something's kept in darkness, it grows. But people that do truth are going to come to the light. They're going to recognize that God has seen what they've done and they're going to come before him and they're going to admit and repent of their sin. And when we've admitted something, then God can begin to change it in our lives. And so this is where healing happens. It's not about keeping things in darkness. Sometimes this might involve actually telling somebody, but sometimes it just might be involved admitting it to God. But at least to bring things into the light when we've got some habit or some sin that is besetting us, a friend of mine compares our lives to a home. And, you know, sometimes we think about Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts and we want to let Jesus into the living room where everything's vacuumed and clean and everything's set out nicely. But we've got some stuff under our bed and we've got some messes in our room. And Jesus comes in and he looks around and he says, this is nice. Can I see your bedroom? And we say, no, Jesus, I don't want you to go into there. There's some things in there that I don't want you to see and I don't want you to touch. And I don't want you to muck around with, so you just have to stay right here. And so what we do is we compartmentalize our relationship with God. And uh, there's aspects when we feel the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we just want to ignore him. John here is really talking about a different experience. 
where we actually say to Jesus, I'm going to let you into this room, but you need to know it's dirty. And he says, I already know. I'm here to clean it. And we say, I don't want it clean, but I want what you want. So if you're willing to take me the way that I am, I'm willing to let you clean it. I don't know, do you identify with that experience at all? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think a lot of people it comes back to, I've heard a lot of people say, hey, look, I couldn't come to Christ, not yet, just not yet, because I don't feel right enough. After I do this, after I do that, maybe God will accept me. Maybe maybe then I will be worthy of Christ's gift that God has given us, you know. I think in that illustration that you've given there that we are who we are. We are human beings. We have been tainted by Satan's lies and um, we have been deceived. Even the elect can be deceived as per revelation. Christ knows who we are. God knows who we are in and out. We need to just accept him for who he is and he is God's son. He is a part of the Holy Trinity. He can um, take that darkness in our lives, no matter how great it is, no matter how dark it is, he can turn that to light and use it for the good in someone else's lives, in your life. Just turn to him. That's what he's there for. Hannah, that was so beautiful. I think that's a good place for us to stop. We're out of time today and thank you for sharing those thoughts. They were powerful. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you for having me here. Well, I'm Daniel and you've been listening to Time in the Word on Faith FM. Thank you for listening.